Let's just take a moment to pray right now. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you, God, for everything that you're doing in our lives, Father. And Father, I would just pray as we humble ourselves for your word now that you would speak to our hearts, change our lives, Father, as we entrust ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. How are you all doing today? You guys can have a seat. You guys doing all right? Come on, you guys can do better than that. I don't know what type of week you had, but you're in the house of God this morning. And you have a reason to praise God. John chapter 21. As you go there, the word of God says this. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told them. Jesus repeated this question. Simon, son of John, Do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And a third time he asked them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked this question. A third time he said, Lord, You know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said then, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourselves. You went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. So Jesus said this to let him know the kind of death he will glorify God. And Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind the disciples Jesus. Notice this. He saw behind the disciples Jesus loved the one who had leaned over to him during supper. And he asked, Lord, who will betray you? And Peter asked, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I know, this is where the whole message gets home here. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, what about him? Come on, say that with me. What about him? What about her? What about them? Peter looked at Jesus and said, what about this man? And I love verse 22, the answer that Jesus gives him. Jesus replied, If I want him to remain alive, other translations, I love how the ESV puts it out there. It says, if I will, if it is my will that he remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Lord, bless this word. A lot of us are concerned with things we're not supposed to be concerned with. With people we have no business even thinking about. Father, help us and fix our eyes in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. As I talk about this subject, there's one subject I really had in mind this whole week. And it's this one topic. Just follow me. 
Come on, say that with me. Just follow me. How life would be so much simpler. How you would be so blessed if you would stop the distractions, stop investing in things that don't matter and in people that don't care, and if you just humble yourself and look to Jesus and simply follow Him, your life would be so much better. I was reading the story of Peter. I've been studying Peter a lot. And Jesus tells Peter four times, In the scriptures, follow me. He said it two times to him here. He said, Peter, follow me. And then the second time he said, Peter, follow me. And the first time he met Peter, he said, Peter, follow me. If we would just learn to just follow Jesus, the Lord can do so much more in your life. The problem is, with all the things that are going around around us and the lies that the enemy places in our mind that those things are important and better than following Jesus, a lot of us have the desire to follow Jesus, the willingness to follow Jesus, but we are not doing it completely. So let me just tell you the four types of people that follow Jesus through this story. A few months ago, in the month of July... This is the month that I usually like to go scuba diving. And I was scuba diving with two people, great people, my brother Danny and Caleb. Caleb, where are you? Caleb's around here. There he is. Caleb is one of my diving partners. And we went to this wreck, this shipwreck. And as we're about to go under the water, to go under this shipwreck, I, being the leader of the pack, said, listen, just follow me. That's it. So we all went down and we were in this depth and we were looking at this shipwreck and I'm looking back and I keep looking back because I want to make sure that they're following me because if not, they can really drift away and things can go bad quick. So as we're making our way around this wreck, I look back and I see Caleb and he goes like this to me and I look back and I don't see Danny. And when your partner is missing you got to stop everything you're doing and look for him. So I'm looking all around and I can't find Danny and I can't find him anywhere. I'm looking at Caleb and he's like, I don't know where he is. And finally, after about 20 minutes, I see Danny in the wrong group. And then he does a double take. He's like, And then he just goes back. And when we made it back to the boat, I said, what happens? And he said, I was following you, and then I saw this fish. And I started following the fish, and I lost you. And then I saw you guys again, and I realized that this whole time, it wasn't you. I thought it was you, but I was following the wrong group. And I was thinking about that this morning. Because there are four types of people that choose at what level they want to follow Jesus. The first group of people is the one that are all in. It's the one like Caleb. He says, hey, you're the man. You're the boss. I'll follow you. Just follow. Lord, I will follow you. 
Even though sometimes I may not like it, sometimes I want to do what I want to do, I'm going to follow you. That's the first type. The second one that I have a lot of respect for are those that say, I don't want to follow you. I have more respect for people in this world that clearly say, I do not want to follow Jesus, than those that say they do and they don't. So the second group of people says, no, I don't want to follow Jesus. And then the third group of people is the Danny group. It's the group of people that think they're following Jesus. But they realize later in the end, all this time, they weren't. As Jesus said, many on that day are going to say, Lord, Lord, don't you know me? Don't you know us? Didn't we pray? Didn't we prophesy, Lord, in your name and cast out demons? And Jesus is going to say, I plainly, I don't know you. These are people that thought they were following Jesus. And that could be you today. But the fourth one, these are the people I want to talk to this morning, are those that are following Jesus. Hey, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. But the fourth group of people remind me of Peter. You're following Jesus one day and the next you're not. You get your stuff together, you follow Jesus again, and then, and then you're not. Jesus told Peter several times, not just once, follow me. Because the Christian life is all about following Jesus and staying on that path. But if we're honest with ourselves, oftentimes we follow Jesus when we're in the mood and we're moved by a message, but then the world comes in and all the distractions and then we drift apart. To the fourth group of people, they say, Lord, I'll follow you. And then that lasts maybe a few weeks, a few months. And then they get into a relationship. They get a new job, a new hobby. And all of a sudden, they're not in church anymore. They don't pray like they used to. Scripture and the word of God is not a priority anymore. And Jesus has to slap you and whack you up and say, okay, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm going back in. And then you're following Jesus. And then you kind of drift again. And I go, Lord, I'm sorry. And then you're back with Jesus. And then something else happens. And you're up and you're down and you're left and you're right. And you're all all over the place, and that's why your life is too. Because Jesus says one thing. Follow me. My question is, how many times does Jesus have to tell you this? I love how quiet it is. Because the majority of us here, I believe, in the church are the fourth group. Peter's biggest problem was his focus. It's what almost killed him in the storm. It's why he backslid and, and denied Jesus. But the greatest example of the focus problem Peter had and why he can't follow Jesus like he's supposed to is because he is so caught up in himself he can't even hear what Jesus is telling him. 
The problem with the church today is we might be hearing the word of God, but you're not listening to it because you are self-centered and you're caught up in yourself. Let's see how bad Peter is. Jesus, the resurrected one, by the way, he has just risen from the dead. If a dead man rises and is talking to you, would you care about anything else? Can I get a witness? Nothing else would matter. Because if I had a friend that died and rose again and is talking to me, I'm not thinking about movies, dinner, day, none of that. Undivided attention. But Jesus comes in, he's resurrected, he's talking to Peter, and it's not just that he's talking to Peter, it's what he's talking to Peter about. The first thing he talked about was the fact that Jesus was using Peter to start the church. That's why he's telling Peter, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Tend to my sheep. Take care of my sheep. He's letting Peter know, you're the one that I have chosen to start this revolution of the church, and you're going to change the world. You're the one. These are my plans for you. This is my desire for you, Peter. You're going to save lives. You're going to preach to lost souls. You're going to transform lives. You're going to do so much, and you would think that you would have the attention there, you think that you would be paying attention there and focusing, but Peter wasn't. So then I think Jesus tries to change the subject to really grab his attention. Oh, you don't care about the future things I'm going to do that are going to bless you? Let's talk about something else. Peter, I'm going to tell you how you're going to die. If Jesus shows up today and tells you, hey, you want to know how you're going to die? How many of you say, yeah? None of you? Man, I do. Because then I know I can walk the line, man. I can go crazy, and I know oh, this is not how I'm going to die, so I'm just going to jump off. <laughs> but P- Peter's listening to Jesus, and Jesus says, Peter, you're going to die a martyr. People that you don't like are going to grab you. They're going to take you places you don't want to go to. And they're going to kill you. You would think Peter would have a lot of questions. I mean, seriously, how many would have at least more than 10 questions about your death? You would think that if Jesus is talking about your future, what you're going to do and what he's called you to do and what you're anointed for, you would think you would have a lot of concerns and questions, but Peter only has one. Any questions, Peter? Yeah. What? What about John? What? John. You know the suck-up, John, that's always kissing you, laying on you? Jesus, let's talk about John. Enough about me. Let's talk about John. Is John going to suffer like I am? Is John going to die also like me? What's John going to do, Jesus? You see, Peter is so distracted by other people and himself, he has lost focus on what Jesus is really telling him. And I thought this was crazy. Until I realized this is us. 
If we're honest with ourselves, because we're in the house of God today, so let's be honest. Can we be honest, church? So let's not lie. So if, if this is you, just say it quickly. Amen. Preach it, brother. Or if it's not you, but you know who it is, say this one. But if we're honest with ourselves, oftentimes we get so caught up, and that's why it's so difficult to follow Jesus, because we have to admit, sometimes we're our happiest when we're equal or greater to someone else. Thank you. The rest, liars. We are our happiest when we're equal or greater And I believe we are miserable when we're less than, and we're not. And what Peter is really asking Jesus is not, I care about John, and I'm worried about John. What Peter is really asking Jesus is, is John going to be just as miserable as me? Because if he is, I'm good with that. If we're honest, we tell God, Lord, what about him? Lord, what about them? And we lose focus on what God is doing in our lives because we're so busy watching the lives of others. We say, Lord, what about, what about them? Lord, what, what about them? Or why is their life easier than mine? Lord, what about, what about her, God? Why is she so healthier than me? Lord, what, what about him? Why is it that, Lord, they have the bigger house and, and the nicer family and, and the better childhood? Lord, what about her? Why is it that they're not as dysfunctional as my house is? Lord, what about them? Why did they get the promotion? What, Lord, what about him? Why did he get the girl? Lord, what about them? Why do they have the children and I'm still single and I can't even find a date? Lord, what about, and what about, and what about? And Jesus says, it's not about them, it's about you, and it's about me, and what I want to do in your life, so stop being so distracted by the lives of everyone around you. Jesus is talking about your death, and you're just concerned about someone else's life? Do you know how many people are on their way to death without Jesus and their only concern is about this world and the lives of other people that are just as miserable as you? What about him? Peter is so distracted by comparison. Jesus, you got to let me know. What, John? What? What, Peter? Tell me. Am I going to be better than John? Some of us, this is what our lives have become. I got to one-up this person. I got to let them know that I'm happier and I'm better and I'm more successful. So I got to put a picture up online and filter it to death so that people think I'm that tan and beautiful and people think I'm that happy and I'm going to make sure that everyone knows they should be me and that I'm better. This is a world, especially in Miami. Can I get a witness? Miami is all about being better than the next one. 
better than you, smarter than you, better looking than you. I drive a better car. I live in a better house. I have a better income. I have a better church. Churches fall into this. My church is better. We're all one church. No, but my pastor's better. We're all being used by God. You see, there's, there's constructive comparison. You know, we're lying if we say we shouldn't compare ourselves to people. Yes, you should, because even Paul said to the church, follow me as I follow Jesus. So there is some good comparison. In fact, my brother texted my parents after the wedding and said, hey, I just want to thank you because you two were a great example, and I know I'm going to be a great husband because of you, Dad, and thank you for everything you guys have done. I've learned a lot. See, there's constructive comparison. Constructive comparison motivates you to get better, inspires you to change, and you say, if they can do it, I know I can do it. You have to compare yourself. That's why God will put people in front of you that are highly blessed and more than you are because he's trying to motivate you, not discourage you. He'll put a person that's clean while you're still addicted. Why? Because he's motivating you. If I did it for them, I'll do it for you. God is in the position of putting people that seem better than you only to motivate you to get to the place where they are because they did it the way he wants you to do it through him but we're living this life I gotta be better why so we fall into not constructive comparison we fall into destructive comparison destructive comparison is when we see something or someone that we deem better than us, and now negative thoughts come towards others and towards God and even yourself. You look at someone that has what you think you should have, and all of a sudden your negative thoughts turn to God. God, you hate me, don't you? Or your thoughts turn to yourself. I don't deserve that. They're better than me. I will never get that. I will never be at that level. And maybe your thoughts turn negative towards someone else, and that's called jealousy where you resent a person for the sake, for the fact that they have what you think you should have. So you're living with jealousy, you're living with resentment, you're living with discouragement, and the Bible says that envy is demonic, meaning the devil loves to use it because he knows that if you can just be envious and compare yourself to others, it will distract you from what God is doing in your life. It's no wonder he wants to put comparison into your life. It's so damaging that Peter doesn't realize it. And you're saying, well, Pastor, what is so difficult about just straying a little from Jesus? Just a little. I'll be back. Maybe I'm not following him completely, and you're okay with that? Comparison is so distracted and so destructive. He says, Peter... Follow me. Follow me. Say, so, Pastor, what's the point? It's impossible to fully commit and follow Jesus when you're caught up in someone else's life. If not, Jesus would have been fine. 
Jesus would not have corrected Peter. Jesus would not have a problem with Peter's concern and question. But the fact that Jesus addressed it and changed it, and he really pretty much condemned it and said, Peter, don't you be talking like that. It shows me that it is impossible for you to follow Jesus completely while being distracted by every other thing around you. And I don't have to preach this. You guys know this. Because you try to follow Jesus while distracted by something else, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. That's why Jesus said, follow me and stop thinking about John, because you cannot think about John and think about me. But we want to believe that we can do both. We want to believe and convince ourselves that we are 100% all in committed with Jesus and yet I'm going to allow myself to be distracted half-heartedly by something else and Lord, obviously you have to bless me because at least I'm following you. Are you? It doesn't work. Because your focus goes off Jesus. And it goes into someone else's life. Someone else's kids, someone else's job, someone else's marriage, someone else's vacation. You can't enjoy Disney because someone went to Rome. And I hate Disney, don't get me wrong. But it's, it's not the happiest place on earth, liars. But listen, some of you are, yes it is. No, this, calm down. <laughs> When you're so caught up in what God is doing in someone else's life, you miss what he's doing in yours. It's that simple. You're so caught up. Peter is so distracted, he tells him three times. Follow me. How many times does the Lord have to grab your attention? If you just live so distracted by other people's lives like Peter was towards John, you miss the bigger picture of what God is trying to do in your life. See, just this week I did three things that I remember. I don't remember why I did them. But this week I remember hammering a nail. And it was simple. I just got a hammer and I just started hammering this nail. Done. Went off. I remember this week, I had a bowl of cereal. I remember. Got a spoon. Done. And I remember, before I went to the gym, I had to throw that in there, I cut a cantaloupe. Done. And I started thinking, what if these tools can talk? What if the hammer had an opinion? Look at Spoon. Spoon thinks he's hot stuff. (laughs) Always dipping and scooping. Looks so much fun. I always have a headache. 
I wake up with a headache after being hammered. <laughs> the sinners know what that means. Okay. <laughs> right? You're like, amen. Oh, no one said it. All right. <laughs> so all of a sudden, Hammer says, you know what? I could be a spoon. So, so then all of a sudden, Hammer tries. Uh, should I? No, I'm not. I will because I love you. Oh, mm. Mm. And then Spoon's like, well, I could be a hammer. Knife says, let me try. Oh man, I'm making it worse. No, I guess I'll be a spoon. Ah, no, no, right? So Hammer says, I was wrong. I can definitely be, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to get another lemon here. And and Hammer says, you know what? I'm definitely going to just, I can open up a lemon too. something. Tools can only work under their design. This is what the devil loves. The reason that there's so many, look how frustrated this way. I was so frustrated and I was so tired. Do you know why there's so many frustrated, tired Christians? It's because you're trying to be someone you're not to impress someone you don't like. And can you imagine if I would have gone through with it and used a knife as a spoon? I would have been hurt. And there's a lot of people in the church that are hurt because you keep comparing yourself to something that God doesn't want to do in your life. And there's so many people in the church that are just a mess. So you're frustrated, you're tired, you're a mess, you're hurt. Because you've pressured yourself into believing you need to be like this person. Peter, you need to be like John. What about John? And John's like, and what is John going to do? And Peter looks at Jesus and says, tell me about John. And Jesus says, no. You just follow me. Don't worry about it. That's why I, I can't stand the thought of Christians, by the way, that look at their anointing and their gift to belittle someone else. I, I can't stand a pastor that says, I, I, I preach better. <laughs> or a worship leader, can I, Rachel? Okay. A worship leader that says, I would have hit that note. Hi. I would have done better. Or not, whatever your gift and anointing is, remember, what does a hammer and the knife and the spoon all have in common? A handle! Because they're nothing without the one that holds them, and that is God. If you see that you are who you are because of God, 
Nothing else. So puff yourself down a little and remember, you are who you are and can do what you can do only by the one who handles you. So don't you be talking down to the spoon or the hammer thinking, well, I did this. They should do it like me. No. Mind your business. Come on, tell your neighbor, mind your business. If you're tired and you're frustrated and you're living a mess, it's because you're so distracted by everything around you and everyone that doesn't matter. And you just have to put your focus back and following Jesus. And you might say, well, Pastor, how do I do this? Do I just pray, Lord, I'll follow you now? That's not going to work. You have to do what I had to do and learn through all my years of Ministry and disappointment, by the way. Verse 21. You know, God's going to set you free right now, so get excited. (laughs) When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? What about this man? And in verse 22... Jesus says, if I want, can we say that with me, if if he wants? You know, that, that word in the Greek literally means if he wills, if he desires, if it's his will. You know, one of the ways you break free from distraction and comparison to a point that you can follow Jesus completely If you learn this one amazing principle, your life is not about what you want. It's about what God wants. Your desires and your focus should not be on other people and other lives or even your own. It should only be for the will of God. Why is this so important? Because I want to teach you this principle. When life hurts and you're disappointed and it doesn't work out the way you thought it would work out, you're going to be set free when the devil tells you the Lord doesn't love you, the Lord is holding back, the Lord loves them more. You know how you're going to be set free from that? When the devil says you should have been a spoon but you're a lousy hammer, you know how you're going to be free from that? You're going to say, well, I guess it wasn't the Lord's will. We have to be about the will of God. Even if it's not what you want. Do you not understand that the Bible says that Jesus told Peter, you're going to die a martyr's death even though you don't want to? Do you know that the Bible says that God says, listen, Peter, you're not going to want this, but I'm going to allow it. Could you trust God then still follow him when he does things in your life you never wanted and you think is unfair because John's not going through it? Could you trust God when someone else gets healed but not you? Could you trust God when he gets the promotion and you don't? We have to be about the Lord's will. That's why Jesus endured the cross. He knew it was going to hurt. He knew he was going to suffer. He cried. He was distressed. But he said, Lord, if it's your will. And he was set free because he was all about the will of the Father. 
So number one, be about the will of God. There's a reason that door closed. There's a reason it didn't work out. There's a reason because God has something else for you. And you have to adopt this principle. Lord, make me about your will. Your will. You could actually relax a little when life doesn't work out because you say, well, it's the will of God. Verse 19, number two. You can be set free from comparison and distraction because Jesus said to this, listen, Jesus said to this, let him know by what kind of death he will glorify God. Listen, this is it's going to change your life. Peter, I know you don't want to die this way. And Peter, I know it looks unfair because John's not going to die this way. And I know I'm not doing in your life what I'm doing for John. But if you would just accept my will for your life, you would learn that even though you don't want it, you can still glorify God. Do you know that you can glorify God with your disappointments? To glorify God means to give Him honor and praise and worship, and to glorify God means the evidence of God being demonstrated. So even though you're not living the life you thought you wanted and you thought you should be living, and even though God hasn't done it for you yet, and, you're, and you think that God is slow and He's delayed on His promises, whatever your life looks like, even if you don't want it, Peter, you can still glorify me through this. So the first way is by saying, Lord, if it's not your will, I accept it. Lord, if it is your will, thank you, and I accept it. But whatever your will is. And the second way you get out and you're set free from comparison is, you know, Lord, I don't like it, but I'm going to use it to glorify you. That's why if you're sick, give God glory through that. If you're single, give God glory to that. If you're in a job that you don't like with people that you can't stand, give God glory and let God use you in that. And I'll close with the last one that puts it all together. Because Peter was in this position where Jesus is speaking his future and letting him know everything he's going to go through and how he's going to die and the will and the plans that I have for you. And all he's concerned about is John. And what about John? And what about them? And what about them? And what about him? And what about them? And Lord, I'm not going to die like that, am I? And Lord, but is he going to die? I need to be better. And Jesus says, Peter, stop. If I want to, what is that to you? In other words, could you do anything to change what I want to do in John's life? Could you convince me to change my mind? Because a lot of times we say, Lord, why did you bless them? Lord, they don't deserve it. It's unfair and I deserve it. And God said, if it's my will, what is that to you? If I give it to them, what is that to you? If I heal them, what is that to you? If I give them the life you wanted, what is that to you? You can do nothing about what I'm doing and others, so stay Stay out of it. And concern yourself with what I want to do in your life.
So that there's days that I'm going to do things you don't want. But you can still glorify me. There's things that you're not going to understand, but if you're about my will, you'll be okay. But lastly, to follow God completely without distraction. You guys want it? I know you look dead already. I'm like, oh, I can't take it. <laughs> verse 15. The very first verse, Jesus is telling Peter some important things about his death, being martyred, the future state of the church and the world. He's putting it all on Peter right now. This is an important time. You would think that if you're giving someone such a great responsibility, you would have a massive manual. You would have all these instructions. You would tell Peter, Peter, you got to stop cursing, bro. It's not going to work out that way in the church. Peter, you got to start liking people more. Peter, be more kind. Peter, be just Peter, a little bit more compassionate. Peter, you got to give more. You got to serve more. Peter, you got to do this. You got to do that. Check, check. Okay, what else do I have to do? Check. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus just wanted to know one thing three times. Do you love me? That's it. Why does that sound important? Peter, if you would just love me, you'll make it. If you would just fall in love with me, you will be the person I've created you to be. Just fall in love with Jesus. Because the word of God says, when you love the Lord, you keep his commands. That means that when you fall in love with Jesus, it's easier to be obedient to him. It's easier to love others when you love Jesus first. It's easier to love yourself when you love Jesus first. First, it's easier to hate evil when you love Jesus. All you need to do to change your life forever, stop the blueprint, stop the check marks, stop everything, and just fall in love with him again. Just fall in love. As Peter was told by Jesus three times, Because Peter, you love the number three. You denied me three times. I had to tell you three times to follow me. Peter, I need to know, do you love me? If you love Jesus, you accept his will. If you love Jesus, you'll glorify him through anything. If you just fall in love with Jesus again, you will be the person... God has created you to be. But it is impossible to be fully in love with Jesus when you're so in love with yourself and the lives of other people. Would you bow your heads with me to pray? You want to be set free, just say, Lord, this is your will. I'll accept it. Lord, I don't like it, but I'll glorify you. And Lord, I'll go through it because I love you. But some of you, you can't say that. You see, Jesus was telling Peter, Peter, be fully committed to me. 
But Peter felt he couldn't because he denied him in the past. And some of you, what keeps you from following Jesus fully is the past mistakes you've made. But right now, this is the day of redemption and where Jesus comes through and says, I want you to forget about who you are and what you did in your past because today is a new day and today you make the decision to follow me and I will do the rest. Just fall in love with me. Those sins you can't get rid of. That bitterness in your heart. The anger you go to sleep with, the fear that dominates your thinking, the anxiety, the depression, the addiction, all of that can be set free in Jesus' name. And when you fall in love with him, because when you have fallen in love with Jesus, you say, let your will be done. And when you love Jesus, you say, it hurts, but I will give you the glory. All Jesus wanted to know is, will you love me? Some of you here say, I haven't felt in love with Jesus in a long time. I've fallen out of love with him. I've been distracted by my life and the life of others. And I've been so caught up in what doesn't matter. And the Lord is getting ready to do something magnificent in your life. But you have to forfeit your life, give up your thinking, and surrender your will over to God. It's not about John. It's about what I want to do in your life. Well, if you're here today, you're saying, Pastor, I'm distracted, caught up in things that I know don't matter when it's over. And I don't feel the love I I once had. Some of you, you say, I don't think the Lord can do anything with me. Listen, if the Lord can change the life, Peter, deny him. He can change yours. But only you and God know if you really love him. Only you and God know if you're truly following him. I want to pray two prayers today. Be honest with God. He already knows your heart. Say, Lord, my mind is filled with garbage, comparison, pride, distraction, trying to be the best and better. But I have forgotten what it looks like to fall in love with you. I have forgotten, Lord, what it means to follow you. I'm so cut up following other people. I no longer am following you. That's you today. Would you put your hand up? I don't want to embarrass you today. You just put that hand up. God bless you. You could be here today. You're listening online right now. Just tell the Lord what's distracting you. And if you're here today and you're saying, Jesus, I'm ready to just give it all to you. I've made a mess of my life. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. Trying to be someone I'm not. 
trying to be better than someone and it doesn't even matter. And I want to give my life to Jesus today. He loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. And the Bible says if you believe that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, you will be saved. You need to believe that Jesus Christ died and rose. You need to believe that he is the only way to the Father. And if you believe that, you follow him. Stop following what is not going to change you. Stop following relationships. Stop following success. Stop trying to follow money and, and anything else that you follow that's not Jesus ultimately will end in your death. Let's all stand to our feet so I can pray with you. You're here today with every head bowed, every eye closed. And you're distracted. You want to get back to following Jesus, getting back on that path. You put that hand up. I want to pray over you. And if you're here today and you're saying, Lord, I want to give you my life right now for the first time. I'm giving my life to Jesus. You put that hand up as well. And if also if you're here and you're saying, Lord, there's someone I love that's not following you. If you have a loved one that's straight away, a, a neighbor, a child, a co-worker, a family member that you know used to love Jesus, used to follow them, but they got caught up in other things and other lives, and you want to see them back in the church, you put your hand up as well. Let's all pray together. The first prayer is for those who want to follow Jesus for the first time today. You say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe you died and rose again. I believe you are the only way to the Father. And today, I surrender my life. Take me as I am. Make me to the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name. And for those here that say, Lord, I'm a follower, but I've been distracted. I'm caught up in other people's lives, Lord. And I want to fall in love with you again. Lord, give me a heart to love you again. Maybe you're here, you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you're here, you've been distracted by sin. Today is the day you get back to the Lord. And step by step, you fall in love with him again. Just say, Lord Jesus, I do not love you like I should. I do not love you like I used to. But Father, forgive me and give me a heart that will fall in love with you again. Help me to fall in love with your word again, to fall in love with worship again, to fall in love with prayer and church again, and renew my heart and my mind in Jesus' name. And for you here today who have a loved one that is gone and far from the Lord, you pray for them right now, Lord Jesus. These are people that we love. These are family members and neighbors. Father, these are people that were once in the church, they were once worshiping and in love with you, but right now they're in the world, they're living in sin. Father, today... I pray that somehow you will break them in such a manner that it causes them to run back to you, Jesus. Break the chains that they have right now of rebellion and just renew their heart as well. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. I will see you all next Sunday.